as we begin our study this morning, I want you to think about something before we get started. I want you to envision as a young child that person who you looked up to, that person who was your influence, maybe the person who is responsible for you being here this morning, maybe that Bible school teacher. Uh, that's the reason that you attended Bible school this morning. Maybe it was that teacher that you had at an early age that taught you the responsibility of sharing, getting along with others, make sure that you're prepared in what you do. Maybe it was that coach who was on the field showing you what teamwork meant, who taught you responsibility, who taught you how doing your part can affect others. I want you to think this morning about that parent who was the parent that taught you that you had responsibilities by making you take out the trash, making you clean your room, making you pick up after yourself even at an early age. That parent who taught you that on Sunday mornings, You have a responsibility to God. You have a privilege to worship God. That parent who taught you that Bible class is where you need to be on Sunday morning. That parent that taught you that worshiping God should be the first thing that you do each week. That parent who taught you that Wednesday night Bible class is extremely important. It's a time when you can come together with your brothers and sisters. It's a time when you can focus on God during the middle of the week as maybe you're Your batteries are running out, so to speak, spiritually. Whoever that influence was in your life, I want you to picture that person as we go through our study this morning. Because you see, each and every person in this room, I think it's safe to say, has somebody who has influenced you in one way or another. Maybe that person is still here with you today. Maybe that person has already passed on from this world. Whatever the situation may be, If that person is still here, I challenge you as we leave today to take a moment to say thank you to that person. When you leave here this morning, maybe pick up the phone and and call that person who was such an influence in your life that you haven't spoken to in a while and tell them thank you. Let them know how much they meant to you. Let them know the influence that they had on your life. Let them know the impact that they've had on the future. If that person is is no longer with us, take a moment this afternoon to say a prayer thanking God for allowing that person to be in your life. Take a moment to thank God for that person and their influence. But also take a moment to stop and think about how many others that person may have influenced. Because you see, so often in life, Those influences that influenced you influenced so many others as well. Because you see, that's what is so true about a positive influence. It's a person who has certain characteristics that we look to. They have traits that we try to make traits of our own because there was something there that drew us to that person. So whoever that person was this morning, I want you to to have that person in mind as we go through our study. Hopefully, one of the 
influences in each and every one of our lives is Jesus. Hopefully He's an influence that we have all looked to as an example. A perfect influence that was given to us by God. A perfect influence who has shown us what it means to be a Christian. A perfect influence who, even though ridiculed themselves, in moments of His greatest trials, He turned to God the Father for strength, for courage, for encouragement. In Jesus' greatest battles, He never reached for a sword. He never reached for choosing sides. He never wanted division. You see, Jesus was that perfect example that showed us that love truly can conquer all. That when we truly love our neighbors, problems will most often take care of themselves. That when somebody is angry with you, that sometimes love is the best response to give them. You see, we have that perfect example, that perfect influence that we can all look to. But we also have earthly influences. And as we begin our study this morning, I'm going to propose three things that I think those influences should have in their lives. Three character traits that I believe that a positive influence should have when we are determining who we will look up to. When we are determining who will influence our life, I think there's three things that we need to look for in a person before we put our trust and our faith and our hope in that influence. The first thing that I think we need to look for is an influence should be someone who is capable themselves. One of the most important aspects, in my opinion, of a positive influence is someone who is simply capable of doing the job themselves. For example, if you needed a particular task done, you don't just call the first person that answers the phone. You begin to scan your mind and think, who can do this? Who is capable of performing this task? Who has done this themselves? Who specializes in this area? Because you see, when we look to someone else for advice, they need to have the knowledge that comes with that advice. The knowledge that supports that advice. They need to know a little bit about what they're talking about before we turn to them. Or else, we've all heard the saying, the blind leading the blind. That's what happens when we turn to an influence who doesn't have the knowledge to support what that influence is. If you've still got your Bibles open to the book of Joshua, that's where we'll begin this morning. As we look at the first characteristic trait of being capable. As we begin the book of Joshua, we read about a transitional period. A transition in in many different ways. We see a transition from Moses to Joshua. We see that transition in leadership. Moses' life is coming to an end, and God is providing the Israelites with a new leader, a capable leader, someone who will lead them on their journey as they continue. We also see a transition in the Israelites themselves as as a nation. They are moving from wandering in the desert, and they are about to enter the promised land. So there's a transition as far as everyone goes, the Israelites, but also the leadership. So many times when you have several transitions, you understand the importance of a leader 
in that time. Because any moment that you make a transition in life, you need leadership to guide you through that transition. Whether it's starting a new job, maybe it's graduating from high school and beginning college, or transitioning from college to the workforce. Whatever it may be, we all know those transitional times in our lives. And that was probably one of those times in your life when you leaned heaviest upon that mentor, that leader in your life. That was probably the moment in your life when you turned to that mentor for guidance, for wisdom, for instruction, because they had probably been through those transitional times in their life as well. And so here during this transition, there are several places here in chapter 1 where we see that Joshua was a capable leader because he followed Moses. He followed a capable leader himself. We're going to skip around a little bit in chapter 1, but if you will follow along with me as we read a couple of verses that I think say so much about Joshua's leadership. Starting in verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 13. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. You see, those are just three examples of comparisons that God reminded Joshua that God was with Moses when Moses led the Israelites. Joshua had seen the wandering in the wilderness. Joshua had seen the great works that God had done through Moses. Joshua had seen Moses' leadership. Joshua had seen the good and the bad. He had seen the people rebel countless times as they wandered in the wilderness. Joshua had seen a people rebel against God and turn to foreign gods. But Joshua, most importantly, had seen how Moses dealt with so many situations. And so I think God is reminding Joshua of two very important factors as he gives him the reign, so to speak, over the Israelites. As God has prepared Joshua for this all the days of his life, Joshua watched and Joshua observed. But now it was his turn. It was his turn to lead a nation. It was his turn to lead a people into this promised land that that they had so eagerly awaited. This moment in time which they had looked forward to, Joshua was going to be that leader that started this journey with them, that started this moment in time with them. And so God is reminding Joshua that first of all, it's possible. That what God has asked Joshua to do is not only needed, but it's possible. In other words, as a leader, so many people in this congregation today have been in so many leadership positions. Have you ever been given a role... And when you were given that task or that role, you you stopped for just a minute and you thought, this is impossible. There's no way I can do what has been asked of me to do. Joshua had to feel, in a way, I would think, that way to an extent. What Joshua had been asked to do, he had seen how the Israelites acted, how they responded. And now he's supposed to lead this people. God's reminding him, Moses did it, and you can do it as well. But here's how you do it. I'm with you. Every place where your foot steps, every piece of ground that you step on, 
I'm going to be with you. I will go with you, and I will not forsake you. You see, a capable leader is one that understands that the task is possible, but the task is only possible when God helps us in our leadership. You see, we look at a nation today, we live in a nation today that has maybe gone in a different direction than turning to God when decisions must be made. There are so many things in our country today that are contrary to God's Word that are legal in our United States. When leadership turns to God, good things happen. When leaderships turn away from God, that's when problems happen. The leadership has a responsibility to look to God for wisdom. That capable leader can only be capable if they put God first. If they use God as their guidepost. If they use God as their navigational beacon as to where they should go. A successful leader knows that God is with them. In the same way, we as Christians can only be successful when we know that we have God's assistance. A successful Christian can only achieve heaven if they know that God is willing to forgive. A successful Christian can only achieve heaven if they know that God has a future much better than anything we can experience today. A successful Christian can only be successful if they understand that heaven is our goal, not earthly possessions. The second characteristic that we should look for in a leader is one who is Christ-centered. When we think about those leaders in our lives, those those people that I told you to, to think about at the beginning of this lesson, most of those people probably were Bible class teachers, preachers, elders, deacons, older members of the congregation that you looked up to, that you learned from. You see, those people, there's a reason that you were attracted to them. And that's because they were Christ-centered. If you will, flip over to the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, we see a perfect example of being Christ-centered. And what that looks like in an individual. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ... We too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, those words of Paul remind us what it means to be Christ-centered. To be Christ-centered means that God is our beacon. That God is the direction that we constantly go in life. It's easy to look around the world today and find leaders who can help you become successful in the business world. They can help you become successful in the political world. They can help you become successful in in many different occupations. But they're not going to get you any closer to heaven. 
unless they themselves are Christ-centered. You see, our goal in this life is not to become the greatest CEO that ever lived. Our goal in this life is not to become the greatest athlete that ever lived. There's nothing wrong with those things. And with those things provide opportunity to reach others. But until we look to that person who's Christ-centered, we're going to be disappointed in the end. Because you see, there may be a leader that we're following that's not getting us any closer to heaven. And if that's the path we're on, then maybe we need to go a different direction. Because one day, no matter if they help us to become the greatest CEO in the world, with all the money, with all the riches, those things will fade away. And eternity is our true future. And so the person you're following this morning, the person that you're looking up to this morning, are they Christ-centered? Because when all of those things end, and we stand before God on the day of judgment, that person that you have looked up to, are they going to lead you into heaven? Are they going to lead you into an eternal reward? Because maybe you had to make some sacrifices while on earth. Maybe you had to do without some things. But today is your day. You see, as a Christian, judgment day is our day. We've often heard that phrase, it's your time to shine. Maybe as an athlete, that that moment, Monday night will be the national championship game for, for college basketball. And the coaches may tell their players, this is what you've worked for. This is what you've practiced for. This is what you've built for. This is your moment. Go out and give it your all. You see, as a Christian, our moment is the day of judgment. The day of judgment is what we've worked for. It's what we've lived for. If we've not followed leaders that are Christ-centered, we're going to be disappointed on that day. Because that's our day. That's the day when everything that we've done on this earth pays off. That's the moment that everything that we've sacrificed on this earth pays off. That's the moment that those hours that we've given to God, those, those Bible studies where you've had the door slammed in your face, those moments in which you have sacrificed day and night, as so many of you do each and every day, each and every week, it's when all of that pays off. Because you're entering rest, you're entering eternity, and you're with the God that you have served. Is that mentor that you're following Christ-centered? Where will that person that you're following lead you? Will they lead you to earthly rewards? Or will they lead you to heaven? The third example, the third character trait that I think a positive influence or a positive leader should have is they are contagious. I don't mean illness speaking. Not that kind of contagious. They're contagious in the sense that People want to follow them. People want to go where they want to go. You all have those people in your life that you want to be around because they put you in a good mood. You want to be around those people because they just naturally make you happy. You can be having a terrible day and you come in contact with that person and you can't help but leave with a smile. A positive influence is contagious. You see, we can take a person who is very capable. We can take a person who is Christ-centered. But without the contagious part, 
It's going to be hard to follow that person. It's going to be hard to follow that leader who doesn't attract you in some way. You see, these are those leaders that I envision in my head that lead from the front. And you may say, well, every leader should lead from the front. I think a real leader leads from the middle or the back. Because you see, that leader is the person who's not going to let anybody fall behind. That leader is going to be the person that as soon as they see struggle, as they see one of their struggling, they stop and they pick that person up. If we're leading from the front, we don't know what's going on behind us. But as a leader, if we're part of our group, that's that leader that you want to work beside. That's that boss that has just come in on Friday afternoon and asked you to to clean the restrooms. But they don't ask you behind their desk. They ask you with rubber gloves on and a brush in their hand because they're going to be right there with you. That's the leader. That's the person that you want to work for. The person who's just asked you to go sweep and mop the room even though that's not in your job description. But they don't come to you with one broom, they come to you with two brooms, because they're going to use one themselves. That's the leader that we want to follow. The leader who's willing to roll up their sleeves and do what they ask you to do. The leader who's willing to go that extra mile, to do what they require of you to do. That's the Joshua's, that's the Paul's, that's the Peter's, that we want to follow. Those men who themselves were willing to get out in the trenches, to put their life on the line, to risk everything that they had to spread the gospel. When we read about those people, hopefully those are the leaders that we're drawn to. Those men who were contagious in a sense that everybody flocked to them because of their influence because of how they, how contagious they were, because of how appealing their leadership style was. When we think about the life of Christ, we see all three of these characteristics. We see a man who is capable. We obviously see a man who was Christ-centered. We see a man who focused everything back to God the Father, who sacrificed his life, for what he taught. And we see a man who was contagious. We see a man who couldn't retreat to any part of the world because of those that followed him. We constantly see Jesus, when he needed those moments in his life, he was was constantly surrounded by others because of the way he taught, because of what he taught but also because of the example that he gave. When we think about these three things this morning, as we bring our lesson to a close, I want to ask you two questions. Are the people that you're following, are the people that you're looking up to, are those influences in your life, do they have these three categories? Hopefully they're capable They're probably contagious because you were drawn to them. But the most important question you need to ask this morning is, are they Christ-centered? In other words, am I surrounding myself with people who will help me get to heaven? 
Am I surrounding myself with people who have the same goals that I have? The goal of eternity. The goal of eternity in heaven. If not, I may need to look to different leaders. But here's the second question. Am I being one of those people? Am I being someone that when my children stop 30 years from now and think about what I taught them, what are they going to put first in their life because they watched mom and dad at home? What are they going to cherish in this life because that's what mom and dad treasured? Are they going to encourage their children to be in Bible class on Sunday morning because that's what mom and dad did for them and they saw how it impacted their life? Are they going to stop to say a prayer before the meal because that's what mom and dad taught to do? Are they going to stop and open up their Bible during the week at home and talk about God in a living room because that's what mom and dad did? You see, we influence somebody each and every day. Somebody's watching you do what you do. When they look at you, when they watch you, do they see Christ? That's a question that hopefully we will all stop and ask ourselves often. Tomorrow when I go to work and I walk through the door, does somebody see Christ? Tuesday, when we gather around the water cooler, do people tell me that dirty joke because that's the mood that I've set? Do people come to me to get the best gossip because they know I'm going to give it to them? When you see people at work and they look at you and they watch you, do they see Christ? When you go home today and you look at your children, do you see Christ in them because of the example that you have given them? Because most of the time what our children do is a direct result of what we as parents do. I see this more and more every day with Parker. You can say something and he's going to repeat exactly what you say, no matter what it is. And and you can ask him, you know, do you want frog legs for dinner tonight? And if you say it with enough excitement, yes, he wants them. Because we're his parents. Because he trusts us. That doesn't change. I'm sure most people in this room who are fortunate enough to still have their parents alive even this week have thought, you know, I wonder what mom would do. I wonder what dad would do. Because you trust that person so much in your life. What kind of example are we setting? When our children look at us, do they see Christ? Do they live their lives in a way that reflects Christ because that's what mom and dad do? This morning as the lesson finishes, I want you to truly ask yourself that question. When I leave here this morning, 
whether I go home to eat lunch or whether I go out to eat lunch. If somebody sees me today, if I go to Walmart, wherever you may go, if somebody runs into you today, will they see Christ? Will they want to be a Christian because of how you live your life? One of the biggest destructions to the church today is hypocrisy. That's the thing that that most people write about. And people that leave the church today say, well, I left the church because I, I couldn't sit in a church full of people that taught one thing and did something differently. I don't think that's a problem we have at Ninth Avenue. I think we have some of the most genuine people here that that you can find anywhere. But let me ask you a question today. When those people run into you this afternoon, do they want to be here tonight because they see Christ in you in the way that they live, or the way that you live? Or do they never want to step foot in a church again because we say one thing and do something differently? When you look in the mirror, do you see Christ? When you got ready this morning, did you see Christ when you looked in the mirror? There'll be a moment in every one of our lives in which we stand before our God and we give an account for everything that we've done. If you didn't see Christ when you looked in the mirror this morning, I'm afraid Judgment Day is not a day that you're looking forward to. However, if when you looked in the mirror this morning, or when somebody sees you, they see Christ, you may be leading them to Judgment Day being their day as well. That's the day we work for. That's the day we live for. Judgment may be this afternoon. Judgment may be years from now. But if right now, if you looked in a mirror, if you know that you wouldn't see Christ because that's not the life that you've been living, prepare for Judgment Day as if it were this afternoon because it may very well be. And if you don't see Christ when you look at yourself, make that change right now. Because if you don't see Christ in yourself, others are not going to see Christ in you either. Let your light shine so that others can see your works and give God the glory. If you need to make any change in your life or if you need encouragement to be more Christ-like, we want to help you, we want to support you, and we want to pray with you. If we can do anything to help you, come forward right now while together we stand and while we sing.